ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Parker here. I am your host, Parker Haney. Today, I am joined by a very special guest who only joins me once a year for the Masters. <laughs> of course. The man does play-by-play for Southern Utah University on ESPN+. Plus. Also hosts the Locked On podcast. I believe he does Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12. You are correct, sir. He also has a daily radio show on the fan. And I apologize, I don't remember the exact name. Smalls on Sports, baby. 9 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time on the Fan Sports Network. Love it. Love it. Spencer, it's great to have you. It's obviously one of the best weeks of the year. Um, Absolutely. It is... It's it's such a glorious time. I mean, we're recording this before the... uh, the men's basketball championship, the final one that Jim Nance yep. is going to call after, after 37 years, you know, covering it in one way or another. And and then we'll go straight to the Masters where Jim Nance can stay until he's 95 years old. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> um, yeah, real quick, I want to hit on that. So I want to do just for the listeners, I want to do a little bit of NBA stuff real quick, and then I want to mm-hmm. hit some, some big master stuff. But Let's do it. I – First, want to touch on because of what you just said. Yeah, we're recording this right before um, the NCAA final. Um, it'll probably come out tomorrow, so that result will already be done. Um, but ju- I just, I just want to talk about this stretch of all of March and then into April, leading into the Masters, and just how absolutely glorious it is. I mean, I know you more than most people alive really cherish <laughs> March Madness. And then immediately into the Masters. It's literally two of the singular best sporting events that we have, and we get them back to back. Yeah, and the fact that Jim Nance will call the championship game tonight and then go start calling the Masters this week is just the is is a testament to his immeasurable talent as a broadcaster. But March Madness is my favorite sporting event in the world. There is not one that's better, not the NFL, not the Super Bowl, not college football. There's nothing better than March Madness. Like that first weekend is just pure bliss. It's just sports fans heaven. And then to have that go into the sport that I that I cherish the most, its signature event at the Masters, which is just so unique and so special and, and amazing. It's 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 a really, really special thing for us as sports fans, and you mentioned it for me personally. Like, I, I, I could not love this stretch any more <laughs> than I do. I, I really could not. And by the way, if you want to toss going forward, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, beef into the mix, like I'm here for all <laughs> of that, dude. Give it all to me. I actually did want to touch on that just a little bit. I, I clearly understand both sides of what's going on. But I, I, I mostly just, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I hate or love that it kind of has like this negative talk about it. I, I obviously hate that the officials got so involved, but yeah, <clears throat> I, I think I love that. Like, regardless of what attention it's garnering, it's garnering attention. People are talking about it. Right. This is, this is easily far and away. The most people have talked about an NCAA women's tournament game. Ever. It's the most viewed by a Kentucky mile. I saw the number earlier today. 9.9 million peaked at around 12 million. And 
it was up 103%. You talk about the Caitlin Clark effect. It was up 103% year over year from their viewership last year, which had set a record. Like you, you watch it and it's got juice, it's got energy, it's got excitement. But look, I, I understand both sides of this debate too. You know, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, was it classless? Was it fiery? Was it this, that, and the other thing? Honest take here, Parker, because that's the only kind of take I, I know how to give. <laughs> If Draymond Greed did that, it wouldn't even be a story. Yeah. It would just be, oh, uh, that's Draymond Green. Oh, that's Pat Bev. Oh, that's, you know, so-and-so, right? Dylan Brooks. Any Name any instigator in, in the NBA. Ron Artest back in the day. Just, like, keep going down the line. If they did anything like that, it wouldn't even make the front page. But I think because women's basketball is starting to grow in popularity, you're going to have situations like this where it's garnering a lot of attention. You have people who are, you know, fired up for one reason or another on either side of the debate. And guess what? That's good. That's what yeah. you want. That's what the other sports have. It's what the other leagues have all over the place. Yeah, some people now see Angel Reese as someone who they don't like and a villain. Guess what? That's great. Give yeah. me the best superhero movie you've ever seen. Guess what? It's got a great villain. You, yeah. you need those sorts of people. And the other thing, too, is, you know, Reese was talking smack to Clark. And, yeah, okay, she went a little overboard, you know, trying to track her down and whatnot. Okay, I'd rather she go a little overboard than, you know, just undersell the whole thing. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm here for smack talk. I love it in other sports. So why would I not love it in, in, in women's sports? Like, I, I don't know why I would why I would feel that way. I guess I understand why people do. But just me personally, I want victory to be thrilling and intensely satisfying. And I want defeat to be crushing and demoralizing. And guess what? That's what it shows out there is... Angel Reese got the win. She's got she's a national champion. Caitlin Clark is not. And she let her know about it. You know what my favorite moment or one of them in uh, my, my personal sports fandom life is? Damian Lillard hits a game-winning three and he waves goodbye to the Thunder. Nobody said anything about that. No one said it was disrespectful. He and Russ had been going at it the whole series. It was compelling. It was interesting. It was exciting. So if you talk about this situation and say, well, you know, it's not good for this, that I'm like, well, well, hold, hold on. What do you mean? It's not good for it? What do you mean? It's not, she didn't cross a line. She crossed yeah. some people's line, but she didn't cross, you know, a, a gender line, line, a racial line, a, yeah. a, you know, a, an, an identity line. She just she's talking smack. Like I'm fine with, I'm totally, totally fine with that because now here's the other thing too. If Iowa and LSU play it all next year, regular season <laughs> tournament, I don't care. That's must-see TV. Yeah. Because Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese are both going to be back. Who doesn't yeah. want to watch that now? I think it's great. Well, and you know they're I mean, you know that's got to get scheduled. We're going to have to see him at least oh, oh, yeah. not try like, to make it three times. Give right? me a bit give me give me a Big 10 um bit give me a Big 10 SEC challenge and give me Iowa yeah. and LSU. Let's go. Do a little like, crossover. Sign me up. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm 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 in the same boat. And again, for those of you that don't know, Kalen Clark has essentially been talking smack all tournament, doing giving little jabs here and there, doing the John Cena can't see me, um, you know, all of these things. Haley Van Lith plays for uh, Louisville. She was talking smack to Kalen Clark. Kalen Clark can be seen saying, you know, shut up, you're down by 15, right? Like just being a competitor, right? Doing yeah, things that's that competitors what, do. That's what competing is. And then get, Angel Reese. You, yeah. In the championship, gave it back to her, right? She yep. was doing the can't see me. She was pointing at her ring finger saying, yeah, we got a ring. 
Was it a little bit awkward? I I almost agree, right? She followed her all the way across the court. The game, yeah, was that over. was a bit much. Clark was trying to get into the handshake line, but again, Draymond is the perfect example of just being the most. And again, like I guess, yeah, he is the perfect example because a lot of people don't like Draymond. They don't like the way that he instigates things. He don't, they don't like the, you know how how he goes about firing up his team and firing but he up cares. other people. He cares. Yeah, he cares. And I think it's the same thing with Angel Reese. And you could see it like in all of the postgame stuff she was doing. She was like, I don't care what anybody says, right? Like, these are for the girls that look like me. This is for my team, right? Like, we just put on for everybody. Everybody was saying all this stuff about us. And I and think even I think even Reese realized and, and I think Reese even realized that she went, you know, a, a bit beyond what she maybe needed to at the end. But she's like, I, I was caught up in the moment. I was in the zone, you know, and when you're in the zone of a fiery competitive game in the national championship, yeah, it, your emotions are going to run high. And guess what? Yeah. I, I I really I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to be bothered by it because I'm not. <laughs> I I completely agree. Okay. Let's talk a little NBA stuff. Alrighty, let's chat. Real quick, just give me your thoughts on the MVP. I mean, it's I have spoken previously on my last pod about how I just love that it's literally coming down to the final week. Giannis just made this huge push with a big time win. And now it's like, is Giannis in the conversation? Is he potentially gonna win it? I love that it's coming down to the final week, right? We the media gets so excited and wants to crown an MVP 60 games into the season every year. It's a full regular season awards. How about we play 82 games and then decide who's been the best for 82 games? And I I love that it's coming all the way down the stretch. You know, I, I'm I'm with you that if you're trying to create drama around that award and, you know, create intrigue, it's good that it's coming down to this point. But honest thoughts on the NBA MVP especially, don't care much. Like, get me to the playoffs, man. Like, because here's the problem. I used to care a lot more about the MVP award and voting and, you know, the regular season, the NBA in general. But I think the, the, the NBA MVP award, you said it, is a regular season award. But what's happened to the NBA regular season? It's been diminished and crushed by load management. Their viewership is down. The vibe is down. Like, it's not where it used to be because you can't tune in and reliably watch you know the the stars or watch the guys play like Embiid and Jokic are amazing and they're going at it and Giannis is getting in there I don't think Giannis can make a surge this late in in the process but you know it's fun to to watch him watch him try the numbers he can put up but Jokic and Embiid were battling for the MVP they were squaring off nationally televised game and Joel Embiid didn't play and like that's what the NBA regular season has become and it sucks I hate that I used to watch it so much more it's something now you know in in my professional life I would love to be able to throw on more in the background while while I'm doing show prep or while I'm putting together my uh my, my notes for a broadcast but I don't do that because the, the NBA's biggest stars all the time, whether it's injury management, load management, or whatever, they're, they're not there as often. Like, that should have been a huge game. Jokic, Embiid, is the MVP on the line? Like, that's a regular season talking point. 
But then Embiid wasn't there, and that's just what it's become. Is if you've got any sort of injury, you only need to play in 70, 80% of the games of, of the year, and it just seems like the NBA is not you know, putting its most interesting, exciting players on the court all the time. So I think I think that stinks, but that's where it is. You know, you talk about the MVP discussion. I'm like, well, I, I just want to see what they do in the playoffs because it's hard for me to care when when the players don't care as much. And I think that's that's a big talking point that just recently happened with the new CBA agreement, right? Now you have to play 65 games in order to qualify for any awards, which I think is going to help, but it's also going to be interesting, right? Because how many players will – check in for a minute, foul, and then leave, like we just saw Drew Holiday do, right? Drew Holiday had a you know, $200,000 incentive to play X amount of games. <laughs> yeah. And he checked in, started the game, fouled, and then checked out, right? But when you bring that into play, if you're going for an MVP and you're going based on per-game stats and you're playing a minute in this game, your per-game stats are going way down now, right? So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see as... as I just think we should forward. value the finals MVP more than the regular MVP. We don't for some reason, but we should. Well, I think that I think that's actually interesting because so Bill Simmons has a really good talking point. He obviously has a vote in the finals MVP. And one of the one of the practices that he'll do before he votes is if I was playing a pickup game and I had the first overall pick to win this pickup game, who would I take? Who in the NBA would you take right now with the first overall pick? To win a game. Is he healthy? Yes. Kevin Durant. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's literally what my thought was. A pickup well. game? A pickup game? I'll go Durant all day. I still think I'm taking Giannis. Because when I you mean, break it down as far as just and, – and, and here's my point is I think – Giannis I gets fouled Giannis a lot and that doesn't have value. Because he's done it. Because he has the finals MVP. And that's my point. Is like I value him so much greater as far as talking about the best player in the NBA because he has that finals MVP because he's won oh, the playoffs. Well, yeah, but that's a different question. The one you asked is who would you take to win a pickup game? My answer is Kevin Durant. Who's the best player in the NBA? Hard to not look at Giannis and say that it's Giannis because he's done what Kevin Durant has failed to do. Like – I know this is a hot take and all, but Giannis is a better basketball player than Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. Again, if you're talking pickup, <laughs> if you're talking pickup, yeah, I'll go with Durant. But if you're talking who's had the better NBA career, the answer is Giannis. Kevin Durant has never led a team to a championship. He's been a part of two championships. I mean, and he's a two-time. He was a two-time Finals MVP. That's very true. What did he do when he wasn't with Steph Curry? Uh, like if you were, if if if, if you having a three-one lead, if you only have the crowning achievements of your career when you're with somebody else, I'm diminishing how I view you. Kyrie Irving is not as great a player as he could be because what has he ever been without LeBron James? It doesn't mean you aren't great at a certain level, but I'm not putting you up in that class if you can't be – like I'm old school in that sense, but I'm with Charles oh, Barkley. I'm with Shaq. Good for everybody. Who did Steph Curry win a championship with last year? A rejected, a rejected, a rejected number one pick and 80% of what he used to be Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. How not many other – 
Clay's playing well. Maybe Clay 80% was, defensively. Clay, Clay was not the same player that he once was. Yeah, but it's not 80% of who he was. Okay, fine. And the 80, same thing can be he, said for Giannis. Okay, he's 85%. Take away Drew and Chris Middleton. Drew, Drew Holiday, Holiday you're, defensively on the floor anytime Drew, he's out there. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton is a decent and respectable supporting cast. If you put Kevin Durant with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, are they winning a championship? No way. A hundred percent. No way. A hundred percent, and I would not a, that. not a chance. Oh. He couldn't do it with Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Why would he be able to do it with guys who have because less you're talent? About, you're talking about two prima donnas that don't play defense. That's true, and I don't it, like you're either talking of them. About for, two completely different players. You put KD in Giannis's position, I guarantee you they win a championship. No. And I guarantee you they don't lose to the Celtics last year either. Kevin Durant has never won anything without Steph Curry. Okay, well let's pick them. He got to, he got to he got to a finals with the Thunder when he had Westbrook and Harden and All then right, with who just have, Westbrook. Who do you have coming out of the West? Do I have to pick a team to come out of the West, or can I just pick the Eastern Conference champion as the NBA champion? If ever there was a time to say there are two, there should there should just not be the two conferences, and let's just send the two best teams, it'd be right now. Because I go up and down the West, and I'm like, okay, Denver's the number one seed. It seems like this could be the year. So scary. It seems like this could be the year Denver breaks through because the West is so wide open. And they've been knocking on the door for a long time, like Boston was, like Milwaukee was, you know, like um, what's another team? The the Pacers got to the NBA or the Eastern Conference Finals at least uh, against the Heat. Like those teams, there the Raptors. That's the other team I was thinking of. Teams that have been good for a long time and are just missing the final, you know, the final push, the final piece to really get there. I think it could be the year for Denver because I don't trust Memphis. I don't trust I definitely don't trust Sacramento. And then Phoenix, look, I would love to say Phoenix is going to get there in the loaded team that that they've got with with Durant and Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Chris Paul being a number 3 is exactly what Chris Paul needs to be at this point in his career, but I don't trust their health. If you lose Chris Paul or you lose Kevin Durant or you lose Devin Booker who's been hurt before and this season, I don't I don't trust that a lot. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as far as injury bets go, the West, I, and terrible. by the way, I by the way, I do not buy the Warriors either. You know, Colin oh, Colin no. Coward's been in on you know the Warriors, like oh yeah, no, no, here they come. I'm like no, 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 that's not. They won it last year. They don't have it this year. It just injuries, chemistry, road play. No, the Warriors all, are not. All are of not the gonna big the West. games that the Warriors won down the stretch last year that were kind of like, oh, that was a Warriors win, right? Like they shouldn't have won that game, but they did. They've been losing those games this year. Yeah, and and look, championship fatigue is very real. And Steph has got four, and Draymond's got four, and Clay's got four, and Steve Kerr's got four. Let everybody know about it too. Yeah, exactly. It's like going back to back. You you need to have a team more dominant than this iteration of the Warriors to go back to back, right? Look at the teams that have gone back to back: Miami Heat, super team; Warriors with Kevin Durant, super team. This Warriors team, they're just a really good team. But they're not they're not going back to back. That's that's not going to happen. So I, I think by default, I'll go with the Nuggets. I, I would put the Suns in there. I just I don't trust whether or not they could, you know, stay healthy. Kevin Durant got hurt in the, the layup line. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, line yeah. it's, it's tough. All right. So then I guess, yeah, the real conversation is coming out of the East. I'm assuming by the two best teams, you just mean Milwaukee and Boston. 
I wouldn't sleep on Philadelphia because they feel a little bit like yeah, Denver. You're the biggest James ha- James Harden hater I know. That is very true. That is a that is a very large question I have with them. Is is James Harden going to do what he's never done before? And that, but he's not the number one. Yeah. Right. He's arguably the number three because Maxi is a baller. And look, that could work. It it could maybe this year it clicks and beads ridiculous, but big guys, eh, I don't know. And if they got into a series with Milwaukee, I think Embiid could get worn out by Giannis because he'd probably have to match up with Giannis. And I, I think Giannis makes things so ridiculously difficult, you know. And and Boston being the, being the defending champs, and um, I I I think it's between those top three. I don't buy anybody else. I don't buy Cleveland, um, though though they're you know nice, a fun story. They'll be what the Donovan Mitchell led Utah Jazz were, which is a good team, a playoff team, and their ceiling is probably winning one series, m- m- most likely. Um, but Boston or Boston or Milwaukee, as long as Giannis is there, I, I like Milwaukee, right? I, I just I go back to the you know repeating, coming out, winning conference championship again. You got to be so so good to do that. And I you know I like Boston, and I think they have done a lot of things well. But I, I think Milwaukee's kind of on a mission to remind people that that they're still there. Yeah, it just feels like it's hard to bet against them right now. They're they're playing so well, and again. Giannis has done it, right? Like, and I get mm-hmm. it, right? Boston won <clears throat> won the series last year, but or won the East last year, but I just yeah. Feels like Boston has everything, or excuse me, Milwaukee has everything clicking at the right time. All right. Let's get to what this podcast is really supposed to be about. <laughs> I I wanna start out with a little bit of with a little bit of spice. What happens moving forward if one of the live guys wins this tournament i mean at the end of the day i don't think it'd be as big of a deal as the live guys will make it out to be it will validate you know a reasonable concern that you could have about live players coming into the masters this year and that's what what caliber of golf courses are you playing exactly i heard i I don't know what they were playing in orlando but the one in boston that, that they had I heard it was like a $60, $70 golf course, you know? And it's yeah, like... They had public they had public play going on during during the tournament. Yeah, exactly. That's so crazy. It, if you're playing at a course where the public can play, that means it is not set up conditions-wise the way that PGA Tour courses are, you know, even the, the regular tour events where guys will win at 15 or 20 under or something, but especially the majors and especially Augusta and... I know there are guys who have won the the Masters before: Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed, Charles Schwartzel. Like you know, there are a couple. There are a couple at Sergio Garcia. They've won there before, but a lot of those guys. The biggest one. Yeah, a lot of those guys. Number one went to live because their games weren't in great shape, and I just wonder how good a shape their game could really be in for Augusta National. If they're playing at courses where the public is able to go out there and play and enjoy themselves because that means the greens aren't as hard, the rough isn't as long, the pins aren't as tough, and the course is just not as difficult as a whole compared to what you know the, the guys on tour play. So I think that's a legitimate question, and if they don't even come close, then 
I, I think that's, you know, a concern for them going forward. But if one of them comes out and, and wins, and I'm sure a couple of guys might play well because they're so talented, but if the guys who, you know, are middle of the road that went to live come over and they really struggle, I, I think it'll bring into focus what, what, what I think, which is you're not getting better in a no cut format. You're not getting better when you're playing courses that are not set up to be PGA tour caliber. Like it is not the same. It's easier golf. It's less stressful golf and going up against the best players in the world, most of whom are still on the PGA tour and playing and being demanded to play at that level is still different. And the masters is going to be a really interesting test for that because you, you can't find that many golf courses harder than Augusta. It's not the hardest in, in the world, but it's going to be different. And even if you're a great player who's had success there before, who's won at the Masters before, you still have to have your game in shape every single year. And you have to have it in shape for that week. It's how guys can finish top five or miss the cut at the same event. You got to have things rolling. And I just don't know what sort of opportunity the live guys have had to you know keep their games in major championship caliber shape and that's what i mean really the the only two really there's only one that i that i really worry about and i guess i mean dustin johnson is talented enough that he could go out there and win this tournament just if he so is cameron smith so cam smith is the one that i'm worried about like being genuine and there's actually i found yeah. <laughs> i found some odds that were like uh projecting like live golfers who's going to finish the highest and i was like yo taking cam smith right there is not a bad play not at all I, not the, not not at all the the only other one that and literally the only reason is because he just won their last event is brooks right just I because wouldn't. yeah but i'm just saying just because at any point augusta is hard it's challenging just to play golf at it but mentally it's one of the biggest grinders you'll ever find just because of the history of Augusta because it's it, everything that has to do with the Masters. It is such a grind mentally. And if you can come in, coming off a win, right, like now you're feeling like the most confident in your golf game, right? And and Brooks obviously doesn't shy away from that moment. I'm not saying he's even going to be the top live finisher. I'm just saying winning that tournament coming into the Masters is always is always huge. Yeah, it is. But, you know, what is a win on live really worth? Like we were talking about, if you went out and won at a golf course, you know, you're playing against a really thin field. You know, I know people love to talk about, oh, Liv's got so many great players and they've got this. Like, no, most of the best players in the world are on the PGA Tour. You don't have as many players who you're going up against. You know, Liv is not going to have a a Chris Kirk who was ranked like what 200 and something or or whatever in the world whatever he was come out of nowhere and win cuz they just don't have the they don't have the field size for that right they've got like a few dozen players uh, at this point in time so i i wonder what that's actually doing for him confidence wise it has to help but it's going to be a different feel and Kepka even admitted you know like yeah i i, I miss playing against Rory McIlroy and all those guys but you know i still and he said you know he didn't regret the decision and all that sort of stuff but it is a completely different feel when when you've got to go up against 30 guys who can win the tournament compared to seven or eight guys who can who can really, you know, win the tournament or string a lot of wins together. There's no Scotty Scheffler over at over at Liv. You know, I don't know how I, I, I don't really follow it. Um what? Is that your pick? Um it's it's hard to 
depends on what kind of pick you're, you're talking about there. I think we'll get into that, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what happens with, with those guys and whether or not they can hold up. Cause it is a grind and Augusta is really challenging and, yeah, Phil Mickelson has got a lot of history there, but guess what? I like Tiger's chances more than Phil's to, you know, have a successful week. Well, that leads right into my next point, actually, is just, just Tiger, just being there, just him being around. It's I mean, just it's, so it's, good. Yeah, I mean, it's... just just everything about it. And, you know, I I mean, you, you just have to do this with every single tournament that Tiger's going to play in. Just what if, right? They're saying oh, yeah. the healthiest he's ever looked. They're saying it's the best his golf game has looked in a long time, right? Somebody said in his practice round on Monday he went out and shot a 64 or something without even trying. <laughs> Again, it's a practice round. Yeah. I get all that stuff. I I just <laughs> – what if, right? Like I, I just – I love it so much, and I just love that it's even – a possibility, a right? Yeah, no, I, I do as well. It's so great for golf. Everyone loves having, everybody loves having him there. Even the live guys are probably happy that he's there. You know, like, even though he, he's been very outspoken against him, like, he carries a weight in a sport that is arguably unmatched. I think the only comp really would be Jordan in basketball, but I think Tiger is bigger yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, the the gravity of his presence. What it yeah, at, what at it means, what it event. means for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in that camp, and you know, 2019, I think showed us you can't ever rule him out, and that, you know, the effect of that is still going to carry on for several more years, right? Because I was someone who was in the camp for a long time. Nope, Tiger's done. He can't ever win another major. And for a while, it looked like I was going to be proven correct, but then that happened, and you say, okay, so he hit rock bottom came back one not just any major but the masters what why, why couldn't he do it again you know and i i think he you know in what we have seen from him this year he's looked a lot better uh at least health wise than he was last year you know he was just trying to play i don't think there was he you know he answered the question because he's yeah, tiger he's gonna say he thinks he can win but yeah he's gonna say he thinks he could win but this year it feels much more legitimate much more serious that you know, he'd have a chance. I don't think it's a great chance to, to be clear because, you know, the fields are just so talented. <laughs> These guys are, they're, they're, they're so, so good. And one big difference, you know, from Tiger's era to now is there were like 10, 15 guys who could win a major back when Tiger was there. But then because of Tiger, the game grew and it expanded and guys started putting a lot of effort into weight training, all that sort of stuff. And now you have like 30, 40 guys who you could say, yeah, I could easily yeah. see him winning a major you know i mean look at ian poulter you know his career has passed him by he's one of the live schmucks now but like that's a guy who never won a major matt coacher never won a major but they're well known on the pga tour they've had a lot of success they've won and they were always staples on Ryder cup teams why because they were among the best players in the world but they just couldn't break through because this new wave of guys came in, and it's ridiculous how many players are in the field that, that, that can win the majors. All like Just about all of them. And, and it's, it's awesome to see, and it's fun to watch, and there's so many great names, and guys have different swings, different styles, different games, different strengths, different weaknesses. It's a it's a joy to watch, but with Tiger, you know, even amidst all that, you just can't you can't ever rule this guy out. You just He's built differently. He knows the golf course, even with the changes they've made. Everyone's dealing with them. And, you know, it's not like length is an issue for him. 
you just hope that health isn't the issue. And if it's not, you, you can always ask what if he does because of what he did in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the odds, just talking about how deep the field is. I mean, you got guys like Wills Alatoris. I mean, he's 37 to one, right? Like, and he's favorite. kicked butt at this tournament. Yeah. He's kicked butt at this tournament. He's kicked butt in a bunch of majors. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right? He, I, he I, is. He was in yeah. the, he was in that uh, playoff with Justin Thomas, the PGA Championship, yeah. when Mito Pereira had an unfortunate incident there. That like, you know, it's 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 tough on the one hand, but Zalatoris, I, I'm low on him right now. Injury concerns, game's not in amazing shape. Maybe he just has that Brooks Kepka attitude of like, yep, I just show up for the majors, and and he can do that. But putting woes and an injury. Um, I, I, I'm not high on Zal Torres this week. I didn't pick him in my master's pool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so moving into the odds and, and some of those things, the favorite right now, Scotty Scheffler, seven to one, plus 700. Um, and then Rory at plus 750 and John Rahm at plus 950. Those are the only guys that are less than under, plus 1000. Yeah. Plus, under plus 1000. Yeah. I mean, Either I, of those I, guys, any of those guys winning it. I would lean towards Scotty. Yeah. I, I, would, I would lean towards Scotty because he knows what it means to defend an event. He's playing really well. And, you know, the thing that continues to amaze me with him, Parker, is I just want to ask you this question, see if you can come up with an answer. What's the weakness in his game? Yeah, I mean. That's the right answer. There isn't one. Yeah. He's a great, I mean, he can't hit a draw all the time. Okay. Does every hole need a draw? Nope, like two of them. <laughs> like that's that's literally it. And so when I when I watch him, I'm like, okay, putter nails. His hands are probably second only to that of Jordan Spieth. You know, around the greens yeah. with with regards to chipping, wedge play, great iron play, awesome driving accuracy, right there. I'm like, there's no flaw in his game. Even other great players, you know, Rom and Roy are the same kind of player. Big drive wedges you know probably edge rom a little bit there yeah. um and roy's probably a little bit more accurate with the uh, with, with the irons at least from what i've seen over the years but both guys you have an out underlying question are they going to be able to make enough putts yeah. it ultimately did rory in at the open championship against cam smith cam smith made putts rory did not hit the ball well but he, he didn't, didn't make, make a single it. mistake. Exactly. He didn't make a mistake, but he didn't have any strokes gain putting and so you know rom has been the same sort of thing and I would I I'd pick Rom third out of that group because he's never really been in contention at the Masters. He's hovered around leaderboards. He's made surges, but you know Rory has to figure out how to avoid the first round seventy five. Like if Rory can just shoot like seventy one or seventy in the first round, then he could do it. But his Masters trend has been shoot seventy six, come back sixty eight, seventy one, sixty eight. And then finish inside the top 10 or top 20. But it's like, well, he was never really in contention there. And I'd love to see Roy win it. I really, really would. It would be so, so awesome. But I, I just look at the way Scheffler's playing, and I look at his game, and I'm like, he's well-suited for any golf course in the world. Long, accurate, good iron player, good wedge player, great short game. Like, it sets up very well for Augusta National. Yeah, I mean, the guy's, the guy's just unbelievable. And it's not like he necessarily is – and I guess I don't know the official statistics, but it just feels like he not, he's not doing one thing like so much better than the others, right? Like you look at Rory and he's just hitting it forward and everybody, you look at, you know, some of these other guys like Jordan Spieth, he's just chipping it close every time. He's getting up and down from everywhere. 
Yep. Right. It doesn't feel like Scotty's necessarily the singular best at any of those, but he's just like third in all of them. Yeah. And he, and he's just going to beat you because. Yeah. He's just top five across the board. And yeah. Like, and he's just every, not going to make everything. mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple names that I that I think people should watch for that I uh, that I picked at my master's pool. Yeah, let's hear it. Terrell Hatton <laughs> okay. has always been a solid major player. Never, you know, very rarely in elite contention there. But if you're looking for like a top 20 bet, I would look hard at Terrell Hatton. He's been playing some really nice golf this He's year. He's playing good golf, yeah. And Sung J M. I love I love Sung J. He is... Not the longest hitter in the world. You don't need to be at Augusta. It's not that long of a golf course. You know, like it's um I'll look up what the what the what the length is. It's uh about the boy Tom Kim. I think I might have to throw down a bet on him just cause Yeah, I mean it's uh so yeah, so the master is seven thousand four hundred and seventy five. You know, it it doesn't seventy four, yeah. Yeah, so seventy four hundred. That's you know long ish, but it's not ridiculously long. Yeah. You know, and I think there are a lot of undulations in the course that make it play probably a bit less than that. Like there aren't that and many holes. Think, you just listen to the way the players talk about it, right? It's not house course is so long, like it takes guys. No, out of no, it's, no. It's, it's missing in the right spots. Yeah, yeah. It's, course it's, management and putting yeah. are the things that win it for you know, these these guys every year, right? When Hideki won, he led the field in putting. Scheffler, great putter. Who else plays well here? Cam Smith, great putter. Jordan Smith, yeah. historically a great putter. Right now he sucks. But, which, you know, makes me sad because I love Jordan. And I would love to see him play well this week. And then he'll probably finish top 30, but he's he's got to fix his putter. Like, I, I, I would not bet on Jordan Spieth. I would not feel great about I would bet on him it. to make three 30-footers. And then miss three five footers. <laughs> I bet on him to miss three inside five feet, guaranteed. Yeah. Like that's kind of where he is. You know, I, I've started to see kind of in, inclinations of the the long putting feel coming back, but the short putting is so bad, man. I mean, all every, every three to five foot putt is. I'm holding my breath as a Jordan Spieth fan. I mean, he's just. I, I don't know. He's just in his head at, at, at that point is kind of what it seems to come down to. And I would love, for, you know, his ball striking is actually really good. He's been driving the ball really well. That was a problem for a while. And, you know, he was spraying it all over the place and he's really fixed that. His irons are still really good. His wedges are still awesome. He's just got to be able to make putts, but that's just not the, this is not the major to, to contend without <laughs> making a lot of putts, right? That's what the open championship is for. Yeah. Like, the open I'll championship. I'm putting during the Masters. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'll yeah. work out a few kinks at the Yeah, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a formula for On success. On Augusta Greens. All right, man. Well, yeah, I guess give me, uh, give me a couple bets you like and then give me, your, give me who you think is the champion. Well, I, w- I, I would mean, I take. I know you just told me two of them, but I would take. Yeah, I I would take Terrell Hatton and Sung J M to be in uh, the top twenty. If you could find top thirty odds on Corey Connors, who who is a sneaky nice major player, yeah. by the way, I I would look there. Another top twenty, top thirty bet, depending on the odds you could get. Ricky Fowler, I I think has been playing some solid golf, has decent history at this golf course. I would not be surprised at all if he ends in the top ten. I don't think he contends. But every time, you know, the tour has gone out and Ricky's been in the field, 
He hasn't been at the bottom of the leaderboard. He hasn't been missing cuts. He hasn't been near the top all the time. A couple times he's popped up there, but he's just been, been playing some... Missed, I think he missed the field. Did he? No, 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 no. I thought he was, I thought he was in. Oh, I think he needed to like make it to the quarters. I think he needed to make the corners in the match play. Cause I oh was my goodness! About yeah, I'm want... bad. I did not see that. Mm. Oh no, that's a bummer. He will I not know, be playing I the Masters. To, I literally wanted to bet on him because he's playing so good right now, and I knew I was going to get good odds. Gosh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer and a half. So my bad. I'll, I'll come off the. Uh, <laughs> um, I literally missed that. I, I assumed he'd, he'd been in the field, but he's not because inside he's been of top fifty. So good this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I, I'd go on Corey Connors though. Corey Connors played some nice golf this year. And I, I'd go maybe with one of the young guys, Tom Kim, Kurt Kitayama is like a flyer, you yeah. know, a top, top 30, top 20 bet, or if you're feeling really bold, top 10. But, you know, I, I think that there there's always value to be found um, on on a betting board for or for a master's pool. Um, but, you know, if you're talking about guy, guys to win it, it's it's such a crapshoot. I mean, it's, it's a March Madness level crapshoot. There are literally 50 different names that could pop up. Nobody picked Danny Willett to win before he did, but yeah. he did. And um, I, I tell you, you know, I, I, I'm just materializing this thought in my head right now. You know who's played well at several Masters tournaments, who has not won a major, who is just a really solid golfer, great short game, especially out of the sand? You know who I'm talking about? Victor Hovland. No. Whoever said Victor Hovland had a great short game? <laughs> I'm, out of, I'm just saying out of the sand. He hold like, uh, no. like 10 I'll, straight I'll give, tournaments. He's I'll made give a you, shot. I'll give, you, I'll give you one more guess. Within the last three years, he was in the, uh, the final pairing for a Masters. I mean, I feel like it's Will Zalatoris still. It's but. not Will. It's Xander Shoffley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That guy's destined to win a major, right? Like his game is too good, too well-rounded to not win a major championship. And he's played really well at this course. He was in the final group with Hideki yep. and was making a surge. And, and then he the put one in the water on 16 when he'd gotten it down to one shot and then Hideki pulled away. Um, that, that's, that's my pick to click. I'll go, again, this is March Madness level... <laughs> of randomness of who could win i'll go xander shoffley your right. 2023 masters champion i don't hate that i don't hate that um i i mean i yeah i just can't not i'm going with the favorite i got scotty scotty I, yeah it, that that's kind of my he's next good. pick he's just he's so good he's so good and he's just not gonna again he's just not gonna lose this tournament somebody else no. is gonna have to go out and beat him yeah, other guy, other guys that. will make mistakes. Rory will, you know, put an iron in the water or yeah. miss some putts. Jordan will spray one out of bounds. Jordan, or you know, just keep going the, down the, the list. Only, the only one that that genuinely does scare me, and it's just because he's playing, been playing really good golf, and his if he is John Ron. If John Ron is deciding to make putts, he can go out and beat Scotty. But I, don't I think agree. anybody else can go out and beat Scotty. I think Rory could. I think Rory and Rahm are the same. If the putter's on, I think ball striking-wise, they can keep up with Scotty Scheffler. But I don't know if anybody else can. Um, I actually think Jordan can, 
but I don't trust his putter enough. I, I think it's more likely Rom has the putter going than than Jordan with the way he's been putting inside of ten feet. Like it's just been, you know, he was right there at the uh uh which which tour event was that? He had like a, a six, seven footer for Birdie to get a share of the lead. Didn't hit it with enough confidence. He left it on the low side of the hole. I don't know if he made the wrong read, but the ball stopped like even with the hole. He it was not a confident stroke. And that's yeah. you, you just you can't have that going into Augusta. So though I would love for Jordan to don another green jacket more than anything, and I would love for Rory to do it, you know, second most. I, I don't know if I trust either of them this week to be an outright winner. I actually kind of forgot probably my second pick after and a guy who can go out and beat Scotty is is Cam Smith. Yeah. He's talented I, I, enough to go and win the, the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I think he is. You know, he went out and won it. Because you because um, you look at Scotty's win, right? He went out and won that tournament. I don't think he's playing as good of golf as he was then. So I don't think he's gonna go out and be aggressive and win it at 15, 16 under, whatever it was. Well, it should have been more, and then he three he three putted <laughs> the eighteenth, but what I'm yeah. what I'm saying is I think Cam has the ability to go out and win the tournament as opposed to Scotty's just gonna Scotty's gonna be at like ten under. And if nobody beats ten under, then Scotty's gonna win. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I I I agree with you there. Um I, I think Cam Smith is a guy who can go out and get it because of his putter and his history at this golf course. Yeah. It's scary. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you hopping on with me. Always. It's always an absolute joy. Um, and, yeah, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, indeed we will. Maybe a little uh, Masters recap next week. Oh, I love that. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys listening to another episode of Parker here. Peace. We'll be back weekly.